I'm Crystal Escobar. This is episode number 98, Finding Your Tribe and Making Friends Post-Mormonism. Welcome to the Mormon Enlightenment Podcast, hosted by Wannabe Balanced. My name is Crystal Escobar. And I'm Sean Escobar. This podcast started out as a self-help podcast for moms and has transformed into a documentation of our journey out of Mormonism. Our goal is to make it safe for others to live their authentic life, break free from social norms and limiting beliefs, and inspire others to courageously share their truth. In February 2018, Sean published a recording between him and the man who sexually abused him as a child. This man was the director of the most recent Temple Endowment video, and the story was featured on the front page of the New York Times. Sean has become a powerful advocate for victims of sexual abuse. Crystal founded the Wannabe Balance brand in 2010 and recently published her first book. Now we have decided to partner up and grow this special post-Mormon community. We want people to feel safe to follow their hearts, even if that means leaving one's lifelong religion. Not only should they feel safe to leave, they should be able to do so with their dignity intact. I'm really excited about today's episode because I get to share one of my one-on-one coaching sessions with a fellow post-Mormon. And she's asked to remain anonymous, which is totally understandable. Just wanted to do a quick little intro before I play the recording. This topic is actually something that I've been coaching quite a few people on. And that's why we've decided together, me and my anonymous friend, decided together to go ahead and make this public for everybody to listen to because we know that this is something that is very common amongst all of us who have left the Mormon church and suddenly finding ourselves without our tribe, without our community that was so generously provided for us by the Mormon church. So it was a beautiful thing until it wasn't. And now we are left with this feeling of a bit of loneliness and also fear to step out of our comfort zone and do things that we were never really forced to do throughout our lives. We always had our community um, in our neighborhoods friends were provided for us. (laughs) So it was nice. And now it's time for us to step out of our comfort zones and to learn how to make friends, how to attract our, our community and build a new tribe. And it's very easy to do, but we make it harder than it really has to be because of the way we're thinking about it. (laughs) So that's the thing that we kind of go into in this coaching session. And I wanted to thank my anonymous friend one more time for being willing to do this and allow me to make it available for all of you to listen in on. So here we go. All right, I'm so excited to, to just talk through some of these things that you emailed me so for everybody listening, tell me a little bit about your background and then what you're struggling with the most right now. And then we're going to do a little coaching around it. Okay. Um, uh, well, I guess background, like my Mormon story, as they say, yes. um, I, I grew up outside of Utah um, in the South, in the mission field, as they call it. And, and uh, my parents were, they joined the church when they were both in their 20s, early 20s, and then trickled out to BYU and met each other and got married. And um, 
you know, had us and my parents divorced when I was five and they had a pretty nasty divorce, but um, they both stayed active in the church and stayed and it was very, the church was very important to them. And so I was raised Mormon, Um, but I was also raised, you know, outside in the South, kind of in this Bible Belt area. And my town was like a cool, eclectic sort of liberal town, but then it was also the, um, the like the non-denominational Christian was there and there was a lot of grace. There was a lot of talk of grace. And, and um, so it was just a unique place. And I had a lot of beautiful adults in my life that just kind of, you know, professed they would, they would be Christian and it was like, they were all about Christ. And so that was like, religion was very much a part of the culture, but it wasn't Utah culture religion. Yes. Like it wasn't the LDS religion. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was where I grew up. And, um, and then, you know, my, my, uh, my dad especially always wanted me to be a good Mormon girl. And, um, so yeah, I went to BYU, but I think when I was a kid, I was a really highly imaginative child. And so I, um, I didn't, ever feel like I was introduced to God at church. Like I felt like he was sort of my imaginary friend as as a little girl and just playing around and just, I felt really liked, like not just loved, but really liked by this idea of a savior of Christ, of Jesus. And, um, and I'm sure like, you know, all of the stuff that kind of uh, catapulted together to create that idea for me but but then when i went to church people would say like i remember as a child people would say this is you know this is where god lives and i would be like oh i know him so i'll you know okay i'll find him here so yeah. um yeah so and then just you know went out to byu and uh met met my ex-husband out there and we got married and um yeah and then uh and then had children and i was married for 17 years and then I started a divorce process and um, through the divorce process that's what led me out of the church Um, but I I, you know I feel like I was all in I was very much like that was my definition of myself as you know growing up outside of Utah I was the Mormon girl in high school and um, yeah so I kind of I very much defined myself as that and was very I felt very dedicated to the gospel very definitely believed that the, that, you know, the prophet and the president of the church was a prophet and the, the general authorities were right in alignment with God and uh, believed in the priesthood. I know I wasn't like an obedient person because I was more about like the spirit of the law, I guess. Yeah. But um, as far as like, I wanted to please God, I guess. And, and I believe that God and the church were together aligned. And I yeah. don't believe that anymore. Yeah. What so, happened? Like, where did yeah. that, where was the turning point for you? Like you said, it was during the part where you were going through your divorce, but what was it specifically that led you to that? Um, I don't know if it was any one thing. Um, I, I remember kind of feeling frustrated with the church in, in like, even as, in my 20s and 30s, I I served in the young women and I was there and I remember feeling frustrated, especially when I was in young women, feeling frustrated that the message kept seeming to be obey, obey, obey. And I 
always felt like, wait a second, that's the second principle of the gospel. The first one, we're supposed to be focused on Christ. We're supposed to be focused on this idea of a savior and, and everything that's so much more um, healthy. And I don't know that I, I think I'm agnostically hopeful. <laughs> In some ways, I like, for me, the uh, personification of God and Christ in, in that idea that I had is a positive thing for me. And I realize that it's not a positive thing for everybody and that it can be triggering. And so I, I understand that. And I, um, so I'm not like pushing Christianity. I don't know that I consider my, I don't know if I maybe agnostically Christian, like it could yeah. all be wrong, but yeah. um, there's a beautiful thing there. And I'm going to hold on to what I feel is beautiful. I agree. I, I feel like I can relate in that way because I don't want to say, no, I absolutely don't believe in Christ, but I'm yeah. also not going to be preaching Christ either. So yeah. I'm just kind of like, well, you know, yeah. I like the story. I mean, what's wrong with appreciating the story, but I don't feel like it is the only way, you know, like right. people say, and so right. I don't have anything against Christ, but I don't feel like, um, I also don't feel like I need to preach it to anybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. And just kind of, I mean, like lots of people feel like that, that higher power, the, the power, like the universe supports you, that kind of thing. It can be really anything and just kind of feeling like you have purpose here, you are valued. And however that works for you, I think that's a healthy thing that we can, yes. all, yeah. I agree. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah, back to the divorce. It okay. was, uh, yes. um, so so I'm I'm glad that I'm anonymous because I'm I'm trying to speak openly, but I want to protect um, my ex-husband's identity. But um, when I was when I had been married for four years, I was like two weeks from my due date for my son being born. Um, I found out that my my husband, my now ex-husband, was he had been um, stealing money from his boss um, for like two for two years. And I had had no idea that he was doing that. And um, just never in my wildest dreams did I believe that that was something that he could do. Um, and he he was like a really nice guy and really um, kind of had that that priesthood image was really like he, you know, he taught Sunday school. He had had high callings in church and like all of those things um, just never never in my wildest dreams believed that he could be this great good person and then also do something that I felt was so 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 wrong and do it for so long and lie to me about it and lie to everyone but like really just kind of lied about who he actually is and and pretended to be someone so um but in that time in that experience I um like I had I had a bishop tell me that like, it, he said some things that made me feel like it was my fault. And I really, um, I really personified it as my fault and, and just felt like I was the one who was evil and I had sort of driven him to do this. Um, so anyway, we, we stayed in this marriage for, for years and years afterward, but the same kind of things kept happening, the same exact things. It was finding out that he'd been lying for years and I'd never even knew about it. And, and then it would always the, the same process of going to our Bishop, like what we're taught to do as, you know, to counsel and just this idea of like, you need to support him in his priesthood. You need to 
you know, but he was lying to me. So anyway, finally it happened a fourth time, like a big kind of reveal like that happened. The, the world dropped from under my feet again. Um, and I was like, I'm going to a therapist, <laughs> you know, and you can come with me if you want. And he actually did come with me. And we worked with the therapist for 18 months and it was our whole family working with the therapist. And, um, and I had been talking to my, the, you know, our bishop there at the same time that we were working with our therapist. And my therapist finally told me, um, she said like, this is abuse and it's not going to change. Like this is abusive behavior. And, um, and my bishop had said, you know, kind of the opposite, like you need to support him. You need to do, um, you need, you know, you need to support his priesthood. He's the leader. Um, but it was my therapist that sort of, when she said it like that, I realized the truth of it and realized like, this is actually what is happening here. And do I want to stay in this marriage in this kind of feeling and what it did like that sense of insecurity what it did to me was drive me into a person that i never really wanted to be and just i didn't even know how unhappy and insane i was until now it's been four years and i've come out of it and realized you know so much happier yes. um but yeah so so it was like so it, it wasn't just my bishop that was saying those kinds of things like he you know you're not supporting him and then I would talk to the women in in that ward in that neighborhood when I was going through all of that and I thought I thought they were my close friends and I thought um I thought first of all they would understand and I thought um I, I don't know what I was expecting of that but kind of what happened what it felt like as as I knew that I needed to end my marriage, I knew that that was the right thing for me to do. Um, and with that decision and pursuing that, I, I felt like my friends were like, you can't do that. Like, that's not okay. And kind of like the idea of <laughs> what I felt like is, is they were like, well, we're in the same situation. We're stay at home moms who have never worked for years and years we couldn't possibly start over and support ourselves. Our husbands lie to us all the time or whatever. They just, you know, adjust or exaggerate or never really, you know, speak straightforwardly about it. It stinks that, you know, that you're in this, but we're kind of in the same situation. And why do you get to leave? Like, why do you, why is that something you're allowed to do? And it was kind of like, wow. um, it was sort of, it sort of felt like that. It was sort of felt like, um, okay, you're leaving your marriage. You're not like us anymore. You can't sit with us anymore. <laughs> it was like the mean girl kind oh of thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, Jill, yeah, I'm, yeah. that's not fair. You get to leave. Why can't <laughs> we don't? You know? Yeah. And that, and that's, and I don't want to say like all the marriages are awful, but like, it's, it was sort of the, I, that's kind of what the, you know, I would, I would hear this a lot from the, the women that I would talk to is like, well, I don't know what I would do in your situation. Like that would be awful. How would you even start over? How would you support yourself? How do you make money for your kids? Like, you know, and just kind of this idea of like, you're really screwed and I don't know what I would do if I were you. And, and I was kind of, I guess I was sort of hoping for more of like, Hey, you got some great skills and you know, you can do some things and you can do this and this is hard, but you're a strong woman. And that's, it was more like, no, we're all weak. We, we are dependent on our husbands and this situation is not 
fun and maybe we don't like it, but the, and this was what I heard a lot, endure to the end, endure to the end, endure to the end, like endure to the end and you're extremely miserable and unhappy and you can't yeah. trust your husband and you can't, you're insane because you don't have any sense of security and, um, and endure to the end. And it, you know, was my therapist who, who like quoted scripture and all kinds of stuff that showed me like, God doesn't want you to be this unhappy. Like this is not the purpose of life. So, mm -hmm. um, anyway, that, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And so I just felt like, I don't want to say that the women were like mean, cause I don't feel like it was mean, but it was just kind of like a, a shunning, like, and almost like a, um, like you're, you're contagious. And if I talk to you too much, I'm going to maybe start to see weaknesses in my own marriage. And I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to mm -hmm. face any of that. So, um, so. so they were all like really good friends of yours. And then, um, and then once you like left your marriage, that's well, like, were you close with these women? I thought so. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought so, but like a lot of them sort of tried to advise me to st stay in the marriage. And I just knew that it was wrong. And so we'd have these conversations where I'm like, I know, I know that this is wrong. I know I need to leave. And then they were like, okay, well, good luck. And then it was yeah. like, no more real, like no more, um, like they didn't want to talk to me anymore, I guess, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So now like you were telling me that you're struggling with finding new relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And finding new friendships. Friendships and, and like um, confused about dating. Like what do you really, are you, are you like un unsure of like what you're looking for? Well, as far as dating, so, whoops, sorry. I, um, I met someone and I've been dating someone for two years and he's, oh, okay. yeah, he's awesome and it's wonderful and it's such a good, um, you know, we have similar backgrounds and so like our relationship has been very healing with each other and it's, that's a huge positive thing. Um, but he's like my, he is my best friend, but he's also sort of my only friend right now. And oh. I know that I, I know that I want some female friendships. I want, I want a tribe, I guess. I want like that yes. closeness. And um, Absolutely. It is a feeling. I think like you said that this is probably a common concern or emotion or want that many of us post-Mormon, probably more so for women, because I think we need more of that kind of connection. Yeah. With, with other women. And, and I think that it is very common among post-Mormons because we were so used to having that community provided for us. Yeah. And we know that like community and being part of a tribe is kind of like something that is wired in our brains as part of the, the primitive side of us that yeah. needs to be in a tribe in order to survive. And so there's a part of us that desperately still needs to feel like a part of something. Mm -hmm. And it is a challenge to suddenly lose all of that. Yeah. You know, not only are you struggling with your whole, you know, identity and your, the purpose of life and what you believe, but then you also have to acknowledge that we've lost our, our community in some way. But I think um, 
what I wanted to talk about today is to kind of talk through this process for all of us, you know, myself included, because more so in the beginning, I felt so scared and alone and always thinking that everybody like hated me. You know, (laughs) I think it's more intense in the beginning. Like you really do create all this drama in your head, (laughs) believing that people are like judging you that badly and are like, don't send their, your kids over there. Like you kind of just like create this whole dramatic story that is most likely not even true. I mean, parts of it probably are true because we know the Mormon mindset, you know, when it comes to, you know, who they want to associate with and all that. And so I think that one thing I wanted to talk about is, is about connection and get to the root of what connection really is. And then talk through some of the things that we learned about, about connection and, you know, based on what we, what we learned growing up in the, in the church, but also from our parents. But one thing that I am starting to, that I'm coming to realize is that connection is it comes from our thoughts. Mm. I used to think that connection was this tangible thing. Like you have this connection with somebody and I didn't realize that connection is only what I'm choosing to think in that moment. Like when somebody, when my husband tells me he loves me, I feel loved because of what I'm thinking about the fact that he said he loved me. We can never project our feelings on other people. It's more of what we decide to think about it, you know, what they say, the meaning that we, we, we give it. And I never realized that that was true until just a couple of years ago. It's funny that, um, because I, I think I always just believed that, um, in order to believe that I had this connection with my husband or with friends, I had these, like this checklist, you know, like it's supposed to be like this, it's supposed to be like this, supposed to be like this, but I didn't realize that it was all about what I was thinking about having that connection. When I think of connection and finding those relationships outside of Mormon, we first have to find that ability to love others. Yeah. And the only way we can have the ability to love others is to love ourselves more. And that I think is something that all of us can work on (laughs) because I think having a Mormon background, I I don't think that it was what they intended, but they taught us that love was conditional, Yeah, you know, and um, we have a certain, you know, we have to behave a certain way in order to be worthy of God's presence. And, but, you know, of course they also teach that God is, you know, loves us unconditionally. So it's no wonder why many of us experience confusion because we're always questioning, but are we good enough? You know? And so I think that's something that we, you know, just by taking the time to understand what we learned from our past, how, what we learned about love and our, our lovability and, and what connection is, then we can kind of understand more how to create that in our lives. You know, what we have a hard time doing is taking the action to find the, the people that will become our new tribe, you know? Yeah, that's, that's me. Like, yeah. what action do I take? What's, and that's what I meant, like the dating skills, it's almost like, so 
So like I'm used to, like when I was dating back in my twenties, I was used to being asked out and I was used to like receiving the invitation to start a relationship with someone. And yeah. it's, it's almost like that. And I sometimes feel like, okay, I have to learn how to be the dude, I guess. And I'm being yes. really polarized here, but like, yeah. how, how do I know if someone is, is safe, I guess, cause there's some like distrust and maybe some trauma there, like mm-hmm. feeling like is, you know, safe enough to pursue a relationship cool enough or not cool enough. That sounded so snobby, but like, like <laughs> someone that I wanted to, someone that I want to have in my life to build and build that relationship with. And, um, cause I, I don't need a ton of friends. I just like some really good, solid ones that, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And kind of that idea. And then like, cause I'll meet some women that I think, man, she's really cool. I want to be friends with her. And then I don't know how to like, Hey, want to be my friend? Like, like, how do I ask yeah. them out? You know what I mean? So I know. Yeah. Like that idea. It is, like it's a learning curve. It's something that we are kind of forced to step out of our comfort zone and learn how to make friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it, just like you automatically got into a community and you got put into callings and you got to know people and yeah. And, and, it, and they made you, uh, they put friends together, you know, visiting yeah. teaching and all that. So, <laughs> so they made it super easy, but I, this is like, I love to think of this as like a new challenge. Like this is yeah. exciting. This is, a, this is the class I'm going to take. I want to learn yeah. how to be a person that knows how to make friends, you know, and I, in your email that you, you said that you are more introvert. Yeah, right. that's yeah. So I'm a little more. So it's yeah. a double whammy for yeah. you. <laughs> and then COVID, you know. Yes. So there's a lot, a lot going on right there, mm-hmm. and you know, one thing I I like to think of is when we are putting ourselves out there, what are we thinking when we're doing it? Are we doing it? Is because when what we're thinking is always what drives our action. So are we thinking? insecure thoughts, you know, like, Oh my gosh, like what if they don't like me or, or having, you know, like you feel, you said that you have a hard time trusting people. And so there's a lot of things that are going on in your mind that are causing you to, um, possibly, I don't know, cause I haven't seen you in action, but possibly yeah. not take the action that you could be taking if you had more confident thoughts, you know? If you were thinking more, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm totally going to find my tribe. I'm going to find the people that I connect with. You know, oh, Sean shared this amazing quote um, the other day. I wrote it down right here from Albert Einstein. He says, everything is energy and that's all there is to it. Match the frequency of the reality you want and you cannot help but get that reality. It can be no other way. This is not philosophy. This is physics. And I like that because- it's, it reminds us that in order for us to, you know, match the frequency of the types of people that we're, we're wanting to attract into our lives, we have to be at that same level. Like certain things that you are hoping to find in a potential friendship, you have to try to get to that place as well. You know, like you want, like, what are some of the things that you hope to find in a friend? Um, I think I, I hope to find acceptance. Um, I, I hope to find it like, uh, support maybe, um, sense of humor is really important and like to, to feel 
maybe, I don't know, like a, like a cheerleader, I guess. And I, um, I've kind of had like sort of a paradigm shift here talking to you um, because I have really close guy friends yeah. that feel like my brothers and I, um, mm-hmm. and I can talk really openly with them and I feel very seen by them, very accepted by them, um, non, non-judgmental, um, just very loved and cherished deeply in like, a, you know, a non-romantic way, but like, um, yeah. And, and I think, I think I just maybe distrust women a little bit. Like I remember an interview that you, that you and Sean had with Natasha. Oh I think yeah. Uh-huh. She, I think this is what she said. Um, she said that women are conditioned to sort of compare each other to our, yeah. ourselves to each other. Uh-huh. And I, and maybe I wonder like, is that the heart of why I'm like, I feel insecure around women and like men, I feel like I can handle friendships. Like, I don't know. It's just more comfortable for me to try yeah. to like be a friend with a, be friends with a man. I don't know. Not every man, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. it just feels, it feels freer, I guess. I don't have those insecurities and I like what you're saying. Like I'm kind of thinking, okay, if I brought that same energy that I have towards meeting a new a new uh, guy like that is going to be a friend, like someone I would work with or something like, yeah, we're totally going to be friends. Like it's going to be great. He's going to love me. Oh, that's so cool that you identified that. that You identified the feeling and the thoughts that you're having when you in the comfortable setting, when you're trying to make friends with the guys yeah, and realizing that, Oh, I could do that same thing. And and then you're just, you know, you're starting to realize, Oh, I do have some hangups around. Yeah. And so it's about, it, it really is to, about, you know, digging up what is it in your mind? What are these belief systems that you have about women that yeah. is causing you to feel insecure or threatened or not good enough? Yeah. You know, it is yeah, interesting. You're ver- verbalizing exactly my thoughts, like that insecurity of like, they're, they're not going to like me. They're going to find, see my flaws. They're going to judge me. I don't know. You, you know, Yeah. Absolutely. That's one thing that I feel is, you know, I don't feel like everyone like needs a life coach per se, but it is very helpful to have somebody to just help you identify what's going on in your mind, what belief systems you have. Sometimes it's hard for us to do it on our own. And so to have somebody to just kind of have the other, a different perspective and to hear what you're saying and then you yourself just talking as you talk, you're, you're digging through all the things that are going on in your own mind and your different belief systems and you're getting it out and you're verbalizing it and that creates clarity for yourself. So I love when this starts to happen, you know, whenever I do sessions with people and they start to gain clarity and it's not even really anything that I said, but it's a lot of what you just like expressing it. Yeah. It creates that clarity for yourself and you start to realize what it is that's holding you back. Well, let's keep going. Like, yeah, let's keep going. (laughs) What type of, like, I love what type of questions do I ask myself to try to un, like unpeel those layers and try and like exactly what you said, like, what are the hangups with women? I, you know, yeah. this is almost like therapy. Like I know I have, like, I didn't have a, I don't have a good relationship with my mom and I, you know, she's not some, so I, I there's probably some baggage there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you know, but like what, why, why do I feel more insecure around women and I, I mean, I just love this little paradigm shift that I have. Like if I just approached 
the new friendships with women the same way that I approach a new friendship with the men that I feel like much more comfortable and like how, you know, yeah. why do I have those insecurities and how yes. can I work overcome. through it? Yes. Yeah, overcome well, it. first it is, you know, identifying all the different things that have probably contributed to your beliefs mm -hmm. about women over the years. And I love how Eckhart Tolle teaches that just by shining the light on it, it's, mm -hmm. you know, that's basically all you really need to do. It's not like um, you have to really work through it. It's just like, oh, there it is. I like and then that. it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't have to think that anymore. It's just, <laughs> there's so many, uh, there's so much uh, going on subconsciously. And as we, you know, express things, as we really do this work to discover what's going on in our, our minds and all the deep seated beliefs that we have, then we can just throw them out. And it's, it's, and it's just a matter of repetition and, yeah. and being aware of it. And then, focusing every single day to, to do something or to change your belief about it. The way you change a belief is by thinking the same thought over and over and over. And right. that's why you've created the beliefs that you have is because you've thought the same thing over and over and over and your brain has gathered evidence throughout all the years. You know, like yeah. you maybe had one experience with your mom that caused you to think of women in a way that, you know, in a lesser way, you know, maybe that was yeah. your first experience think, with women. And then over time, you, your brain just wants to gather at all this evidence over years to continue to validate the one experience. Yeah. And so now yeah. all you have to do is first identify where it came from and then probably any other thing that contributed to that belief. And then deciding, basically just deciding that you no longer want to think that way about women or believe that about women, that women are a threat or you can't trust them mm -hmm. or um, they might take something from you. You know, I think that's what, what I've always felt with women. Um, for me, it, it was always like, if I felt like a woman was extremely pretty, I would feel very threatened. Like, oh no, she's going to take my husband. You know, like, I'm like, where did that come from? You know? <laughs> Or she's going to take the attention and I'm not going to be good enough anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think when I really start to pinpoint where that began was from, from the way my dad always flirted with other women. And so it, yeah. it made me, by watching my dad always flirting with other women, even in front of my mom, it made me start to believe that um, women can steal the attention of your husband, you know, or yeah. then ultimately steal them, you know? So that's yeah. like this belief that I just decided to believe as a child based on what I saw. But then by just shining the light on it and realizing where it came from, I'm like, oh, why did I choose to believe that just based on my experience with my dad? That's one person, you know, that doesn't mean that's yeah. the way all men are. So it's like the same thing goes with the way you see women. It's like, why did I decide to believe that about all women based on one or two experiences that I had growing up, you know, that's not all women. So yeah. we like to put everybody into a box, you know, <laughs> we like to think, Wait. oh, men are just that way or yeah, women are, are, yeah. are jealous or, you know, so we, we tend to do that. We tend to put people in box, you know, based on our own experiences, but all we have to do is just identify where it came from and then make the choice to, to think differently about it and create your new beliefs. And we create our new beliefs by thinking the same thought over and over and over. 
Yeah. I, I love, love comparing it to the church because, you know, they're so brilliant with the way they indoctrinated us, you know, yeah. <laughs> but we can do that again, but in a way, in a more uh, empowered way where we yeah. get to deliberately choose the beliefs that we want. We didn't get to choose the beliefs that we wanted growing up. We were just told that was the way it is. Right. And that was the only truth. And so we never got to choose and, but they were really good at ingraining those beliefs in us. And yeah. now it's exciting because we get to change our beliefs. Now we know how we can use the very same tools and approach that the church did, but now we get to do it in a way that we know is useful and going to empower us in our own lives. I love that. So maybe you could help me because I'm thinking like, okay, if it's like the affirmations, like, like when I, you know, like, what can I say to myself? What can my little mantra be? Like women are good. Women yes. are kind. Like I'm a woman and I know that I'm kind and I'm yeah. loving and I, you know, I don't, uh, I try very hard not to judge people. Like I know that I'd want to be friends with me. <laughs> so. Yes. That, and that's all you have to think is like, and yeah. you have to, to believe that there are women out there just like you. Yeah. And yeah, that's that you can trust. Right? That's a good I can friend. Trust women. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Help me figure yes. out what are things I can say to myself that can help rewire that belief system into something that's helping me instead of inhibiting me. Yes. Because we really just have to try on different thoughts because not all of them are going to work. You know, you can't, yeah. you like, for example, I always use this example is you can't go from, I don't like the church to, I love the church, you know, because, and nor do you ever really want to get there. You don't yeah. need to get there, but sometimes you can find one simple thought that can help you feel a little bit better to get to more of a neutral place because it doesn't feel good for us to hate the church and to have so much resentment and anger around it. So okay. we don't have to get to the place where we love the church, but we can try to get to a place that is more neutral. But the only way you can do that is finding thoughts that you can believe, you know, mm -hmm. like, yeah, but you don't, you know, and, and you can decide if you want to get to neutral or get to a place of loving around any, you know, around anything in your life. So I just like to use the church as an example, because I know many of us are feeling this, oh, I just really hate the church, you know, <laughs> but we don't yeah. like feeling that anger. And so we're all working to get to a place of neutrality around the church and yeah. we can do that, but it's, it's different for everybody. We can't tell everybody, this is how you should think about the church in order for you to get to a place of neutrality. So every individual has to find the thoughts that fit, feels the best for you because that's why affirmations are great, but they don't work unless you can actually feel it and believe it because right. the feeling is what is important. You have to feel it. You can't just say something and think that you're going to tell your brain to believe it. You have to find the right thought yeah. that yeah. resonates with you. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I love to just throw out ideas and then you get to try them on and see if it works for you. So tell me more of why you think you um, have this hang up around women and not trusting. Um, I think I've had experiences with friendships, like deep, close friendships that maybe ended badly. So mm -hmm. yeah, maybe that. And, um, and, and my, my mom is, uh, <laughs> I, I think she's a narcissistic personality disorder. Like I really do think she's diagnosable. I mean, I'm not a therapist or a psychiatrist, but 
I've read a lot about it. So like, you know, there's, there's that she, and, and I, I do cerebrally understand that she can't connect or cannot have empathy or cannot uh, look at me as a whole person um, that she'll, she'll use anything she can, like she'll use me to feed her, if that makes sense. And so yeah. there's, there's that. Um, but I also feel like I had maybe friendships in junior high that I like was so, I was so dedicated to, and then just kind of felt like they, um, they fizzled in a really negative way. And then, so yeah, I had some like really close friendships in junior high that, and then by ninth grade, just like it fizzled and didn't have, it didn't fizzle, it just ended, it ended negatively, I guess. And then I think I remember in high school feeling like I can't get too close to anyone because it'll hurt or, or they'll end up hurting me or, you know, kind of thing. And it'll just hurt. I feel betrayed, like to yeah. give so much and then not be valued for it, I guess. That's, that's really where it is, like to, to feel like I gave my heart, which I cherish, like, mm -hmm. you know, and feel like is worthy and, and a good thing, but it just wasn't appreciated. Um, mm -hmm. And that's maybe that's also like, I need to, be, I have the high need for appreciation, which is maybe a little bit of my issues, but, um, but like, and then I have, like, I had some friends that I, I had from college and um, 25 year relationship and very, very close and just kind of sort of the same thing has happened. Like, um, you know, I talked about them, like, just kind of like, there's this wedge and you're not married anymore. You're not enduring to the end anymore. You're not even in the church anymore. Um, so, so we don't, we're not really, we're disappointed in you. And, and just, so I, I don't know how to describe yeah. that. I'm sure like you described it in the judging and kind of feeling othered and, and it's the Mormon mindset. And I understand, like, I have this philosophy, like we all allow for the inward journey and I just, I'm allowing for their inward journey and wherever they get, but, um, I just don't feel accepted by them anymore or, mm -hmm. um, unconditionally loved, I guess. And, yeah. um, and so that's a betrayal, I guess. That's a feeling of like, there's another female friendship that I thought, you know, was solid. And now it's not really because I didn't, I didn't fit their expectations. Yeah. And it is interesting that when we have an experience that, you know, causes a bit of trauma, mm -hmm. we tend to collect more of those over the years. Yeah. yeah. Just to validate what, how painful that was like, Oh my gosh, see, this is, Yep. Oh, it's happening again. See, yeah. this is the way women are. This is the way friendships always end. And it is interesting. And, you know, women or people do that in business as well. And I know I've done it many times over the years, you know, in all my different business adventures, mm -hmm. I would do, I would try something and fail, try something and fail, try something and fail. And then over time, I started to just believe that, see, I just can't do business. I'm just not good at it. And mm -hmm. And then I suddenly, you know, and then I've, you know, over the past few years is when I've been really starting to dive into men mental health and try to figure out, well, how can I, how can I believe that I uh, can, can succeed at something if I've never had the evidence in the past to prove to myself that I am capable of it. Yeah. And that's where I had to really learn what faith really is, you know, outside yeah. of a religion, realizing that yeah. 
oh, I just really am not ever, I never believed in myself from the very beginning, you know, or I failed the first time. And then I just threw in the towel and decided, oh, I'm probably going to fail at every other thing I do. And that's, you know, that applies to friendships and how they've ended over the years. And I've had quite a few friendships too, that I can also relate to you in a way where I, it ended and it was sad and heartbreaking for me, but I, 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 I found a really awesome quote and, and it really pushed me to understand that certain relationships just do have a lifespan. I never yeah. wanted to believe that. I thought, no, you can have, you, I, I really went into my relationships believing wholeheartedly that I would be friends with them forever because I knew I, ha- I had the capacity to love somebody that much and be that kind of friend for them. Yeah. And I knew it, it from myself, but I'm yeah. like, why aren't they giving it back to me? You know, like yeah. I am all in on this friendship. And then when it ends, it was just like devastating and realizing that, oh, like I was clinging to something that was not meant to stay in my life for longer than it was, you know, like it was exactly the, now that I can look at it as exactly the way it was supposed to be and exactly everything I needed for that season of my life. And now I've moved into a new season of life and I can be happy about that season and no more do I have that sadness that I had for years losing one of my best friends from high school, feeling like it was such a tragic thing. Like, why couldn't we (laughs) be friends forever? But it is about, you know, we make experiences mean things. For me, I made it mean a lot of different things. Like, oh, if if this hadn't have happened, oh, if I would have done this, you know, always trying to find meaning of why that happened instead of just accepting it and realizing that it's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So for you, it, you could have, you know, attached meaning to all these different experiences that you had, solidifying the belief that you've decided to believe in the beginning. Friendships don't last, probably can't trust women, all those types of things that you've decided yeah. to believe and you've gathered evidence to support that belief. But now you're aware of it. And so yeah. now you get to change it. Now we get to find evidence for the belief that we want to believe yeah. and little by little you will start to find the evidence as we start looking for it because right now your brain is on default looking for the evidence that women can't be trusted why should I try anyway it's probably going to end so why put any energy into trying to develop any relationships with women because based on all my other relationships in the past you know we like to use inf- uh, all the information from our past to yeah to go into our future, which we should never do. We should definitely learn the lessons from the past, but we should never use our past as evidence for the present moment, like evidence for manifesting whatever we want, you know? Yeah. I, I really like this. I've, I'm thinking of, okay. So um, I was just going to say that I, I had a friend that um, uh, a while ago that believed in reincarnation and she had this idea of soul contracts Yeah, and like, two souls would come together to teach each other something. And then when the contract was ended, um, then, then, you know, that relationship could let go of each other, could just end. And that actually helped me a lot with my divorce and letting go. And I never thought about applying that same kind of idea to a friendship of like, cause I don't know that I could feel that it's true to say friendships can last forever. 
because that doesn't feel true to me yet. Yeah. But I could say something like, um, this could be a friendship that could be a soul contract. And when the contract ends, I can let it go, but it'll still be a beautiful experience. And I can fully be present and show up a hundred percent in this friendship and believe, you know, like kind of give it my all for now and know that even if it does end, it doesn't mean that it's a betrayal to me. It's just means that the soul, like the contract ended. We taught, yeah. we taught each other what we needed to teach each other. I love that too. Yes. And that's, what's so beautiful about being out of the church and now having this um, open mind to get to <laughs> pick and choose all the beliefs that we want. And I yeah. love to just get to decide what I want to believe about, you know, life and our yeah. purpose and the things that I want to believe in. I just simply say, this is what I'm choosing to believe. Yeah. And I never want to say this is absolutely true. Reincarnation is real and all that kind of stuff because we yeah. don't need to, we don't need to prove anything to be true, but, yeah. and we don't need to preach it to anybody, but we get to decide, we get to find those stories that, that work for us. And I also love that story because it does help, you know, like, um, in all different relationships, you can see them as being very meaningful, but yeah. not that anything has gone wrong if, the friendship is over. And I, oh, I meant to t tell you the quote that I uh, use all the time. Life is like an elevator. Sometimes you have to stop and let people off. But I also like to acknowledge that one thing I believed going into my marriage um, was that my husband, and this is one thing that Natasha helped me see more clearly, mm -hmm. is that I believe that my husband was supposed to fulfill all of my needs and he was supposed to have every quality that I want and every, you know, he's supposed to be like everything to me. And I believe that the, if we're, if we're compatible and if he really is my soulmate, which I like to believe in soulmates too, then he has to be um, everything for me, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. and that took me years to realize that, oh, you know, that that's okay if he doesn't have everything that I want you know, that I desire really, because we, we can get bits and pieces of things that we appreciate or that we would like through multiple different relationships. You know, of course, we're not going to go out on dates with the opposite sex and that kind of stuff. So yeah. I can find the fulfillment of different things that I like through different friends. And I don't even have to have it through one friend, like all the things through one friend. Yeah. You know, like I have like, a post-Mormon friends, you know, that fulfill that part of me that wants to talk about post-Mormon stuff and right. <laughs> what it's like to go through all of this. And then I have business women, you know, that want to talk about, you know, building a business and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So we sometimes believe that we're going to find that one person that's going to have all the things that we want, you know, yeah. that they're going to be post-Mormon, they're going to be into business, they're going to love uh, health and fitness. Like th I'm talking about me, like those are all yeah. the things that I love. And I, and sometimes we expect that all, all the friendships that we are seeking are going to have all of those qualities that we love. You're but right. what if we just decided that, oh, this person is great because we can talk all things post-Mormonism. Oh, this person's great because she's really, you know, into her kids right now. And we can talk about motherhood and all that. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with religion or it is also something to be aware of when we start to try to find new relationships is that the, the relationships we're seeking, they don't have to fulfill every single thing on your checklist. 
things. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Putting a lot of expectations in yeah. the friendship. And I didn't realize that I was doing that kind of. Yeah, I was um, coaching a woman the other day about um, dating. She was had all these hangups about dating and she had all these expectations of what he needed to be mm-hmm. in order for her to even consider going out with him. I hoped to help her see that. What if you just gave him a chance? You know, what if you just decided that he doesn't have to have A, B, and C? And what if you just went into it with the attitude of, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to learn something about myself and all that kind of stuff. So sometimes we put so much thought and energy into like trying to find the perfect relationship that we don't give a lot of people a chance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. I, I, because I, I, I was kind of thinking it, of it in terms of dating, like finding that one soul sister. <laughs> yeah. Like, but right, like uh, that is a lot to ask because we can't expect our spouses or other, you know, significant yeah. others to be that way. And it's sort of the same thing. So that's a cool paradigm shift that I didn't think <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah, it's so true. And then we open ourselves up to so many more potential relationships because we're not so like zeroed in on they have to have all these different qualities because this is exactly what I need and what I want and this is how I can relate to somebody but then you know this way we're just being open to letting people in yeah and then you get to decide from there like is this somebody that I really feel connected to in one way then that's great. I'm going to spend time with that. You know, is this person that is really into exercising? I need somebody to go to the gym with. I need an exercise partner. Um, Okay. She's going to be that person for me that loves fitness. We're going to go to the gym together. And that's as much as I'm going to expect from her, unless she, you know, has other qualities as well. But at least, you know, we, like you said, we don't put all that expectation that you're going to find everything in one friendship. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, also, you know, when it comes back to our, our ability to love others unconditionally and opening ourselves up that way. And I also found an awesome quote the other day about um, how a bee or a flower doesn't go searching for the bee. The bee finds the flower once it blooms. And so sometimes we're putting so much energy into finding something, you know, finding the exact right relationship or friendship that we want. Yeah. But what if we put more of our focus and energy into just becoming blooming, you know, and then the, the bee will come the person yeah, that you're, that. It, you'll, you'll attract that kind of relationship as you, you know, focus on being your own friend, being that person for yourself in all areas, because we can absolutely do that. But that doesn't mean that we don't need to find real life friendships, but just knowing that we have the ability to fulfill all of our needs just helps you feel more relaxed and not so we don't ever want to go into trying to find relationships with any kind of desperation, you know, and I've definitely seen myself do that in different areas of my life, you know, with business or, you know, different times of dating in high school. Like sometimes we get a little like excited and a little bit desperate. (laughs) And that's never a good energy to have when we're trying to find a relationship, you know, (laughs) very awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we relax, we love ourselves, we be there for ourselves and we open ourselves up, we bloom and then the bee comes, you know? I love that. I really love that. It's that yeah. energy that that quote that you said by Albert Einstein is the energy that you come in with will be the energy reflected back to you. So like exactly. I love that. 
Exactly. And then one last thing I wanted to mention is that sometimes we do put a lot of our energy into what we've lost, you know, yeah. we're thinking a lot of what we, lo- what we've lost from the Mormon church, like, oh, we've lost our community. We don't have this, we don't have that. And then anytime that we've, we think that all is lost or uh, we're focused on our lack of something mm-hmm. that basically tells your brain to stop trying to find solutions like oh, mm-hmm. the end of the road here. But once you decide, once you start shift your focus into what do I want, then you've opened up all the possibilities again. Your brain's like, okay, start trying to search for solutions, trying to search for things that you can do in order to find new connections and relationships and, and all that. So now you've, you've turned your brain back on to start looking and to, to be able to see those solutions. And it's so amazing. Like me and Sean recently just realized because over COVID we were so, um, I think a lot of people, you know, got into this mentality of like, Oh my gosh, like what's going to happen and freaking out and, and about business and, and like, what are we going to do? And all these questions and this uncertainty and, just having a lot of fear around the future. And one thing we kept on saying after we went through the initial shock and fear was that we're going to something new and amazing that's going to be what we're looking for, you know? And so, and so once we started to believe that something, we didn't know what it was, yeah. Something new and different than anything we've ever done before is going to present itself. And we started to really talk a lot about it and believe it. And then just within the last couple months, like all these ideas started flooding. And now everywhere we're looking, it's like we see it. And it's like Sean was saying the other day, he's like, these things and opportunities have always been there. It's just yeah. like we weren't looking because we were like, in this fear, like, oh my gosh, everything is going down. And like, yeah, that's so we're, it's like we decided we were like not looking and then suddenly we shifted our mindset and now we're like, see all these things. And we're like, oh my gosh, all these things were, ha- have always been there. We just weren't looking, you know? I love that. I did not realize that the brain did that when you're in operating from that feeling of fear and scarcity, that it does shut off all of that creative problem solving so mm-hmm. like, that's, that's really cool. I didn't even know that. And then once you just like open that up and come, like come back from a place of fear and, and think there's opportunity, then your brain sees it. Cause I guess it, it will always collect the evidence to prove what you're trying. I don't know. That's, that's really, oh, yeah. That. yeah, you got it. You totally get what I'm trying to say. So I love that. And I just want to say thank you again for being willing to to just open up about all of this stuff and share your story. And this has been a lot of fun. I've loved just talking about all these things because I really think that so many people listening can relate to what you're experiencing. Thank you. Thanks. This, this was a lot of fun and I was nervous, but like, I feel very loved. So thank you. Yeah, I know. I like to calm people down. Whenever we start a, a coaching session, everybody's like, I'm a little nervous. I'm like, Hey, yeah. I'm just your friend. We're just talking, <laughs> you know, like that's all it is. I'm just your girlfriend. We're just chatting it up and I'm just really listening and helping you see some things that you perhaps aren't able to see from, from being in your mind, yeah. you know? So I'm like yeah. your outside perspective to be like, this right. is what I see from hearing what you're saying. Great paradigm shifts though for me. This has really, really been awesome. 
Thank you. Good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This was so much fun. Thanks for listening to the Wannabe Balanced podcast. Get access to free resources available at wannabebalanced.com. If you love the show, then leave a review or share it with a friend. Until next week.